Hello everybody, and welcome back to the long-awaited seventh episode <laughs> of the second season of We Need to Talk. It's been a long time. It has. So how are you doing? I'm Corinne. Oh yeah, and I'm Matt. <laughs> We're rusty. I forget how to do this. We're also in bed this episode, so yeah. we things might be we might be a little uh discombobulated yeah we're a little too lazy to pull out the chairs and do the whole setup so it's late it's sunday we're tired we're gonna record for bed today yeah if you don't like it you can leave <laughs> so it's been a little while since we've last recorded we've had a, a lot happened in the last few weeks um, yeah it was like two weeks that like nothing happened that's why we haven't recorded and then like another week and a half or so of like a lot yeah this weekend was the masters it was that just wrapped up a couple hours ago good weekend for the americans patrick reed in first and then ricky fowler and then jordan spieth good little group there three of my favorites happy to not hear rory's name there. <laughs> or Sergio's. Well, Rory's better than Sergio. Oh, yeah, but Sergio won last year. Yeah. And we don't like him. He's a loser. Um, Red Sox season started in these last couple of weeks, and they're off to a great start. They're 8-1, and one, which I think is the first time in history that they've ever had that record to begin the season. Mm, somehow, despite scoring, like, two runs a game and having a horrible bullpen. <laughs> but yippee, go Red Sox. Um, we had the March for Our Lives a couple weeks ago. That was pretty cool. Pretty cool part of history we got to witness. Oh, yeah. That is one thing that we were going to hit on if we recorded a couple weeks ago. Yeah. That would have been one of the topics. Yeah. It, you know, just too, a little too dated now, but it yeah. was definitely cool to witness. Um, and we visited a couple breweries, new breweries, um, Crooked Current in Pawtucket. And knockabout in Mashpee. Well, hey now. Yeah. Sounds like you're actually getting into a, what we're actually going to talk about. And what is that? Well, <laughs> yesterday was National Beer Day, of yes, course. It so was. a happy National Beer Day to you, Corinne. You as well. Um. And as Corinne mentioned, on National Beer Day, we went to. Knockabout Brewery in Mashpee. Mashpee, Massachusetts, while we were just down in the Cape for the weekend. Um, and it was a nice little brewery, and it was packed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's brand new. I think it was like a second or third weekend open. Yeah. Um, and so what we really want to talk about, we're going to talk a little bit about beer and the beer that we've had o- over the course of our adulthood and um, how we track our beer. And the way we do that is through an app called Untapped. Um, you can get it right on the Apple Store, and I'm assuming it's on the Google Play Store. Is that the other store? I don't know. For the other phones? I don't know. 
whatever. Just look what, for it with whatever, whatever you whatever use. Whatever people use if you don't use Apple. It's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. That's correct. No E because they're probably drunk. <laughs> I didn't think of that. I didn't either until I said it. <laughs> um, so untapped, we started drinking craft beer really since we started dating, basically. Mm-hmm. I might have started like a month or two before you because I had just been getting into it. But it, well, yeah, just like trying different things, not even like craft beer, just like trying like m- right. things that aren't like Bud Light and Heineken. Like your domestic <laughs> mass produced beers. I had, like, a, a blue moon, and I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> um, so, we... So that was, like, a, a little under seven years ago. Yeah. And we would go to different liquor stores and try to buy different beers that you don't usually see. And one of the liquor stores that we went to a couple of times was uh, Craft Beer Cellar in Framingham. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the people that actually worked there that recommended Untapped to us. So we downloaded the app and still use it to this day. Well, because at that point, we had sort of made a hobby out of trying new beers, and we were already tracking it in a Word document. That's something that I had a habit of doing, and um, I don't use Word documents anymore, but I use my notepad in my phone, and I still make lists of everything, which you've probably use, heard if you listen to this podcast. We use Google Docs, too, to track our uh, DVDs and books and vinyl we own. That's true. That's true. We just haven't updated those collections uh, as frequently as we used to, yeah. so I rarely go on there to update those. I go on the books one, because every time I buy a new book, I add it, and when I rate them. So that one's all updated. Yeah. So... When we were introduced to Untapped, uh, I was very impressed with the app. Um, as Corinne had mentioned, I had previously been using a Word document, and I was going to a website called uh, beeradvocate.com, and I was getting the details of the beers there if they weren't listed on the label themselves, such as the IBU, uh, the brewery that it comes from, the type of beer or variety like IPA, lager, Kolsch. I don't know why I just picked out Kolsch, but... <laughs> <laughs> The variety. Um, and I would list all of that in the Word document. And then when we got untapped, I transferred all of those that information into the app. Um, <laughs> that was funny. Which was funny <laughs> because you check in the beers as you're drinking them on untapped. And it's supposed w- to be like a live thing like, exactly. as so you drink them. I, I was checking in all of these beers that I had had just because I wanted them in my list of the beers that I've had. And it was like 500 beers or something. And the <laughs> app was telling me like, whoa, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Slow down there. <laughs> Chill out. Uh, so that was very funny. And the app must think that something happened now that I only check in like one beer at a time. Unless I'm at a tasting. <laughs> um, but yeah. So I don't, did you look and see like w- what the date was when we actually got the app? No. Hmm. I don't really know. I have no idea. But... Yeah. I would say it was probably five years ago, four or five years ago. No, it had to have been like three or four because I was in the liquor store with you and I had already been 21 at that point and I'm only 25. So it was four or less years ago. I just sorted by old to new. That doesn't seem right. 2016 would be our first check-in? That doesn't seem right at all. Maybe. I don't know. 
Anywho. No, we've definitely had this app way more than two years. Um, so in the amount of time that I have had Beer Advocate, I have checked in uh, 1,101 unique beers. What are you at? 1,103? Yeah. Good for you. That one time I went to the brewery with a friend. Yeah. <laughs> Not you. Yeah. Um, and I have total beers 1,351 because I check in literally every beer I, ha- I have had, even if really? I've had it before. Every time you check yeah. in. Which that really shows there's only another 250 beers there that I've had more than once. So yeah. most of the time when I go to a restaurant or a brewery or a liquor store, I am getting a, a beer or a mixed pack and I'm trying beers that I have not tried before. I which, like to which is why our number is so high. Yeah. We get a I, flight if we go to a restaurant, we go to tastings and try stuff we haven't had. The only time I really get a repeat is if I go to a like super high-end brewery and take home like a case mm-hmm. or if I if it's like St. Patrick's Day and I have a whole bunch of Guinness. Yeah. I know I hate buying six packs now and this is like a really like a good beer that I really like and I know I'm going to want to drink it several times over the next couple months. Even a good one I, I get sick of it unless it's like heady topper like it has right. to be fantastic. Um, so did you have your numbers? Did you want to talk about that? Yeah, so 1,103 unique, and I had less than you, uh, 1,225 check-ins in general. But you don't check them all in? No, I don't even, like, I don't usually, like, check many in at all if, I don't, I didn't think I did at least, but you're, I would think your number would be a lot higher if you check in every single I one. I really, I really check them all in. Yeah, I, maybe I do it more often than I think, but if it's, like, a good beer, maybe I'm like, yeah, sure, this is what I'm drinking, so my, like, few followers on Untapped can see, but... Yeah, a lot of times if it's a repeat, I don't bother. Because I really care about it more for the fact of keeping track of everything I've had. Yeah. So, Untapped is really for the beer connoisseurs, the people that want to, like, find rare beers and things like that. It's not for the person that's going out and getting, like, a, a case of Miller High Life to have over the weekend. Right. Um, but it's also for people who who just want to, who try do new things once in a while and want to remember what they like. Yeah. Because that's, like, my, probably my favorite part is if you can go back in your list and you, because sometimes we'll go to check a beer and be like, oh, we've already had it and we didn't really like it, so let's not try this. Exactly. So it's good to, like, look back and remember, like, oh, we really liked this, we should get it, or we didn't like it. Mm-hmm. That's probably the most convenient use of the app. Mm-hmm. Because you can sort it in all different ways, including, like, your highest rated, so then you can, like, go down your list and be like, these are the ones I really like, I should get some of these. Yeah. And it just takes a second. Like, I just sorted by date to go back to the earliest, although 2016 really doesn't sound right. It must have been. I don't know. I don't know. I could have had had it filtered between 2016 and now mm. and not gone, like, back to the beginning. I don't know. Um, another number that I found, I have 698 badges. So oh, there, look at mine. there is something that the app does. They give you badges for certain beers like if you have 20 ipas then they'll probably give you an ipa badge and then if you get 50 ipas then they'll level you up to the next ipa badge and so on and so on 
so I have 698 badges. Or there are more creative badges, like, oh, you just got a National Beer Day badge for drinking a beer. Or, oh, you just got a birthday badge for drinking a beer on your birthday, like stuff like that. So mm-hmm. Exactly. I was, cool. I was going to highlight some of the... Uh, more interesting badges that I've received. So I got the untapped sixth anniversary badge recently. So the app has been around for at least six years now. Um, I got the leap year badge of 2016. That's a pretty rare one. You had to drink a beer on leap year. Uh, So obviously if you're just getting that app now, sorry, you cannot get that badge. In a few years, you'll have to wait. Well, it will be a different one. It'll be the leap year 2000... Oh, yeah, that's true. Is it every four years or two years? Four. So it would be the leap year 2020 badge. And I plan on getting that one, too. (laughs) Uh, I got the Extraordinary badge, which is for 1,000 unique beers. I got the Better Together badge, which is a badge that they give for uh, two breweries that collaborate to make a beer together. Um, And I when I was looking at that one, I saw that the next level up is 20 of those. So I have to have 20 collaboration beers to get the next level of that badge. Uh, And then I got Birthday Brew, which is for drinking a beer on my birthday. How fun. And there's a whole bunch more. Like I said, I have 698 badges. 698? Yeah. What do you have? 618. Oh, nice. I'm kicking your butt. No, but we check in all the same things on like all the same... No, it's because you check things. There's the... There's where you have the advantage. Because I check everything. Yeah, and you probably do it on special days, and that I don't... Okay. Quite possibly. And there's, like, yep. photogenic brew if you take pictures of the beer that you're drinking. Which you so do more than I do, so... I, I always take pictures, especially if we're at, like, a brewery. I take a picture of every beer that I have, just so I can... If I want to go back and see the difference in the colors of the beers, I can see that. Um, oh, my God. This is so funny. And then you can see differences. Like... Um, the brewery that's right down the street from our house, Purgatory, uh, one of our favorite beers from there is uh, the Dirty Swan. Mm-hmm. And I've taken pictures of it every time that I've had it. And I, you can see that there's been a little bit of a change in the color, more the murkiness okay. of the beer. And every time it changes, the taste of it changes, unfortunately, for the worst, because the best I've ever had it was the first time I mm-hmm. had it. Um, but it's still a fantastic beer, one of my favorites. This is really funny. I'm looking at my badges. I've never really taken the time to look at them before, and they're funny. Like you know, Brew Bowl for the Super Bowl. Yeah. Ha- Mary Brewmas, Hoppy Hanukkah. What's five hundred million beers? What? Right, right where your thumb is. Five hundred million beers. Join us as we raise a toast to over five hundred million beers checked on Untapped. Wow. We couldn't have reached this astounding milestone without the help of you, so thank you. So I guess I checked something in on that day? On the day that they hit 500 I guess million so, check-ins? Yeah. I don't think I had that one. That's cool. Beer giving? Interesting. Another Super Bowl one. Christmas. I'm going back in time here. What's with all the NC Beer Month? Were you in North Carolina or something without me? <laughs> or is that for checking in like uh, Sierra Nevada or something? I don't know. <laughs> you have a badge. There's your little picture. Oh, okay, yeah, I have it. All right. Moving on from that. Um, some other things that you can do on the app, you can make a wish list. So if there's any special beers like Pliny the Elder or Pliny the Younger or Heady Topper that you've never had and you want to have, you can add that to your wish list. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think you can get, like, notifications if you're within a certain mile radius of, of 
the beers on your wish oh, list. Oh, cool. Um, you can see nearby beers. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see beers by venue. So if you are going out Saturday night to a restaurant and you and your significant other can't decide on a restaurant, you can look at each venue and see the beers that are being checked in there and that maybe you want to decide by the beers. I do that a lot, actually. Like if, I, if we're going out to eat and I look online and there's not a beer list on the menu, I'll look on Untapped and see what people are checking in there and be like, ooh, a couple good ones. And so I know ahead of time what I might want. That's right. And another cool thing is, like, if you kind of mentioned it, but I don't know if you went into detail, that, like, you can look at a specific beer and then, like, find it on a map. So, like, if you're looking for something specifically, it'll tell you what bars or what stores it's currently at. That's right. Um, Now, of course, the most important use of the app is ranking the beers. And the way the ranking system works is they score, is it one to five or is it zero to five? I wonder. I think it's zero. Is it? So zero, zero to five, and it's uh, in intervals of 0.25. So you can do 1.25, you can do 4.75, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I listed the beers that I've given fives to, so I'll read those off real quick. Okay. Uh, that would be Allagash White, Brooklyn Black Chocolate Stout, Delirium Tremens, Duvel Single, Peanut Butter Rain Cloud from Foolproof in Pawtucket. Uh, Guinness. That's a little bit of Irish bias. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's really a five, but for sentimental values, sure. Yeah. Uh, beer Camp Tropical IPA, which is a very limited beard. Nobody else yeah. is ever going to have it, probably. Um, Peeper, uh, Beer 4, and Lunch, all from Maine Beer Company. Heady Topper. Sip of Sunshine, Sir Beerus 2013 Coffee Framing Hammer, uh, and that's barrel aged. Trillium Day and Night, Flying Dreams Become Double IPA. Acrobat from, what's it called? Startline. Mm-hmm. Um, Greater Good Greylock IPA, and But I Digress from Springdale, which I think was an IPA. Mm-hmm. Those are my fives. Cool. Um, and the top rated beers that I've had, so overall ratings, not my rating, would be Heady Topper. That's the top rated beer I think that I have had, and it's probably my top rated beer, my favorite. Haze from Treehouse. Double Shot Kenya Karamikui from Treehouse. Focal Banger from Alchemist. Sip of Sunshine from Lawson's. Uh, barrel aged outside the lines from Trillium, plum soak from Trillium, citra cutting tiles from Trillium, scaled up from Trillium, crusher from Alchemist, double dry hop sleeper street from Trillium, Cerberus from Springdale, and then the next two on this list. So you notice all three of those, all of those were from three or four different breweries: Alchemist, Trillium, Treehouse. Mm-hmm. and Springdale and there's two other beers we're probably looking at like a top 10 highest rated beers that I've had two others here Coastal Gold and Tides both from Knockabout mm-hmm. where we just went yesterday for National Beer Day just to bring it full circle that might be a little bit of inflation because it's a new brewery of course so it's getting higher ratings but still it was good they did have good stuff there 
Specifically, I liked the the tides that you mentioned and the Escape West Coast IPA. It was really good. It was dank, Loved it. Right? It was dank. <laughs> I even wrote that down. That was in the description. It was exactly the right word to describe it. The yes. flavor. Fantastic. What else do you have to say on untapped and beer drinking as we Nothing. as we drink a uh, wine? Yeah. Well. <laughs> um, We're drinking a Cabernet Sauvignon. What's it called? Green car. Irish or cab. Irish cab. Like it, and there's like a picture of like a green cab on it, but it's like an Irish Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah. I guess the family. Grady's. Grady's Irish cab. Grady's right. So it's like from California, but it's an Irish family. And we got that on St. Patrick's Day at a beer and wine tasting yep and it's a very good cabernet yeah i don't really have anything else to say i think it's great i'm glad we started using it to keep track of what we're drinking and if any of you want to get it my name is the same as my name is on every social media i use corinne cook but you don't use that name for gaming on the switch i do not on the xbox right (laughs) that's my one one different name and I was thinking of changing it because it's driving me crazy that it's not Korean Cook. No. <laughs> should have a special gamer tag. Okay. Alright. I'm good. You're I'm good, good too. Perfect. We're all good. So we'll take a quick break of course and when we come back, Corinne, what are you gonna talk about? Um, another book. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be back. It's, it's a good one. A, it's not a movie. It's though. a good book. We've been doing a lot Stick of movies around. this year. Stick around. You'll enjoy it. And we're back. And like I said, I'm going to talk about a book that I finished a few days ago. But you know what I realized, Matt? What did you realize, Corinne? It appears to me that I really, really enjoy nonfiction. Which I never really thought I did. Hmm. But think back to the books we've talked about. Um, in Cold Blood, one of the first episodes. That's like my favorite book. Mm-hmm. Completely nonfiction. Glass Castle. Yep, that was your topic, but it was a book that I had read, and one of my favorite books. Another one of my favorite books is Wild by Cheryl Street. Mm-hmm. Um, of the books I've read this year, I read um, Born a Crime by Trevor Noah, nonfiction. Yeah. Very good. I enjoyed that. Like, I tend to really enjoy nonfiction, and I just finished a book a few days ago. And you know. What? Well, we both like the book On the Road, but the version that we read was the original scroll, which yep. was using the actual names and places, so that yeah. one was actually nonfiction. That is true. Um, and the book I finished a few days ago is Into Thin Air by John Krakauer. Is that how you say his name? Krakauer. It is, yeah. And if you want to throw another one in there, how about Into the Wild by John Krakauer, yep. another nonfiction That's fantastic true. book. Um, and... It's funny, they, you know, they say truth is stranger than fiction, and I, that's totally true, because as I read these books... Do they say that? I've never heard that. Well, you know the term stranger than fiction? Yeah, but I've never heard truth is. Yeah, there's like, there's like more to it as well, but truth is stranger than fiction, saying like the things that happen in real life, you can't, you can't write those, like it, like the craziest things happen in real life, and the craziest stories unfold, that nobody can really think up these details, and nobody can write a better story than some of these stories and i think 
Into Thin Air is a great example of that. Um, I know I'm kind of late to the party on this one. I feel like everybody has read Into Thin Air. I know you haven't. We've had it for a long time. Yeah. Never read it. I know tons of people have read it, and it's very popular, but I think it deserves a topic on this podcast because it was, it was so good. What are you giggling about? My mind is just, like, all over the place, racing with, like, degrees of separation. Because you said Stranger Than Fiction, which stars Maggie Gyllenhaal in yeah. the movie. <laughs> and uh, her brother Jake Gyllenhaal is in the movie Everest, yeah. <laughs> which is about the book yep. Into Thin Air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's four degrees of separation. There you go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Has nothing to do with the topic, but <laughs> that's all I was thinking about. <laughs> so I don't really have even that much to say about about the book because, you know, I think it's something that everyone just needs to read. It's fantastic and I can't even completely get into why, but, you know, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Um, so it was written in 1997 and it's about, it's a personal account from John Krakauer's presence on um, summiting, summiting Everest during the 1996 disaster that killed eight climbers, including some very skilled and renowned guides that had successfully hiked it several times before. So it was written a year after that disaster. It was originally, he went up there um, as a journalist on a mission to write an article for Outside Magazine. It was just going to be sort of a feature. Originally, he was just going to hike to the base camp, and he was going to do a feature on sort of how the commercialization of Everest and how everybody was kind of climbing it. They charge, you know, $65,000 to climb it. It's becoming like a, you know, a source of income for these countries that that it was in um but you know he's a hiker he had hiked several years before and it was sort of always a dream of his to climb everest so when he had the opportunity i think he asked for the assignment to be pushed out a year so he could practice and you know um get in shape for it so he could actually summit it so this um disaster it was in may i think it was may 10th of 1996 it was the third highest recorded number of deaths on Everest in a single day. And he was, you know, there to witness it, so obviously it impacted him a lot. Um, and it, it sort of just shows... He did a lot of research into it, too, and told stories from other people climbing it and, you know, famous disasters and deaths on it. Um, and it sort of just shows how common death is on it and how easy it is to make a fatal mistake in those sort of conditions. I mean, it's, I don't know why I didn't write down the height of Everest, 29,128 feet. I'm going to look it up. You keep going. I'm going to write down the number I said so I don't forget. I was Um, thinking 28,000. It might be 28,000. 28,960. There's my guess. No, it's, I know it's 128 or 129. fine, whatever. Um, and so, so you're up at that level i mean at the base camp i don't know how the high the elevation of the base camp either but at that point the oxygen level is half of what it is at sea level what uh, uh, 29,029 oh 29,029 okay oh that should be so easy to remember 29,029 yeah. now that i know it i feel like i'll remember it okay um Did so you know mount everest is ranked first in elevation I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. So, um, so we're talking at that height, you know, 
You can't stop laughing at yourself, huh? It's very silly that Wikipedia lists that like that, like ranked first. Like it's a big competition yeah. between the mountains. Yeah. They're all like rivals and stuff. Maybe next year I'll get there. Um, so Not this year, Denali. <laughs> the base camp itself is pretty high up. You have to hike, I think, I don't even know, several days to get to the base camp and it's high up. In elevation so at the base camp oxygen levels are I think half of what they are at sea level so you're already absorbing you know half of the oxygen you usually absorb and then at the peak of Everest it's one-third so if you or I Matt to were to be you know dropped on the peak of Everest right now we within a few minutes we'd be completely dead completely yeah I know okay. <laughs> <laughs> well there's like such thing as half dead you know, if you read this book, maybe you'd see that. Um, Let's see. So, yeah, it, you know, a normal human can't do that. Um, most times, the people who climb it use bottled oxygen. But even so, even you would think if you're breathing through bottled oxygen, you would feel great. Like, oh, I have all the oxygen I need. But it's still a struggle. Some people have climbed it without the supplemental oxygen. Really? But it, Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people have, but it takes a lot of acclimatization. Acclimatization? Acclimation? Acclimation. (laughs) Added an extra syllable in there. Getting fancy. Um, A lot of training to to get to that point. And it really messes with you. It's not advised. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's also dangerous to use the bottled oxygen because that makes you feel better than you actually are feeling. And so you can't if you run out, you're in trouble. You don't really know what your limits are when you're on the bottle of oxygen. So there's a uh, pros and cons to both. At one point, after the disaster, they were thinking of not allowing the bottle of oxygen anymore because it would stop more people from pushing their limit and going up to the top when they can't necessarily get back down. Do you know where I learned about acclimation? The process of acclimation? <laughs> no. I'm sorry, I haven't read this book, so I have nothing to add. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell me. The Wild Thornberries. Oh, really? Yeah. Eliza's Climbing a Mountain. Oh, I love that show. It's a pretty good I show. I watch it. Um, so, so on top of the things, Wild Thornberries, <laughs> very comparable. I'm sure Krakauer would approve of this I comparison. I think Climbing Kilimanjaro. So. Okay. Um, so, you know, you have the lack of oxygen, you have super high winds like super cold below zero temps poor visibility they get terrible storms up there and if you're caught in one you're in trouble which is what happened in this um with the lack of oxygen comes um related illnesses which are pretty horrible if you uh Mm -hmm. from the some people that came down with that on the mission um you can't really eat well, you don't sleep during these conditions, so on top of the lack of oxygen really messing with your brain, you're also on low sleep and low food, you have very little fuel, you lose, you know, 30 pounds climbing it in the six weeks it takes. So it's it doesn't sound fun. Is that six weeks up and down or just up? Um, I think up, uh, up and down. Okay. Uh, I think up. Kilimanjaro's Two weeks. I think it's up actually. I don't, you know, I don't really remember. But yeah, it's a long process and only because you have to have a lot of patience. It's not because like, oh, we climb and we stay here and then we 
climb some more and stay here and it takes six weeks. It's because, no, you have to go to base camp and then climb to camp one, then climb back to base camp, and then the next day climb up to camp two and then climb back down to base camp and then climb to camp three and climb back down to camp two. It's just the acclimation. <laughs> I really want to add that extra. It's the acclimation that you have to keep climbing up and down and up and down to get yourself used to breathing that air. Mm-hmm. So that's why it takes so long. Um and it, it just sounds horrible. It sounds impossible. I honestly, I feel like I wouldn't even make it to base camp without dying. I don't think I could do it. It just sounds ridiculous. Um, How high is the base camp, did you say? I don't, I don't know. Hmm. Look it up. I will. Um, and the thing that, you know, was kind of most crazy to me at one point he was talking about like I said you can imagine feeling all those things and how hard it is to push on and he sort of described how easy it is to give up like in those elements and when you're that impaired he said it would be completely painless and comforting to just like lay down there and let the elements take you over and die and it would be so much easier than pushing on and that makes sense like I can't imagine I, I feel like a lot of people probably you know, do die that way because they just can't move on anymore. And yeah. uh, the base camp is seventeen thousand five hundred ninety-eight feet. Okay. So, with all this being said, um, it was definitely one of the most emotionally difficult books I've ever read, and I think it was it was probably the most emotional I've ever felt while reading. I felt. Like, reading their story, I felt desperate and helpless, and, like, I often felt, like, oxygen-deprived, like they were in the book, because it just left me with that feeling. Um, And it's kind of crazy that, you know, it left me feeling so upset because I knew about the disaster. I knew that these people were going to die. You know, I knew it happened, but it was still so hard to read and imagine, like, those people having to, like, go out that way. And I mean, in some of the stories, it wasn't even bad, because I think there was one, not wasn't even bad, it was, it was bittersweet, because there was, you know, there was one guy who, years before, he was 200 feet from the top, and then his guy said, you have to go back down, like, we're on our time limit, we said 2 o'clock, we'd head back down, like, you have to head back down, and like, he was kicking himself every day for not making it to the top, and he wanted to so bad, and he was one of the ones that ended up dying, but he did make it to the top, even though he had gone through some, like, gruesome injury I guess injuries he's he had a lot of problems on the way up and yeah. he still made it and so it was kind of like happy in that way that you know he got to do it but it was sad that you know he didn't make it down obviously I specifically remember that guy's story in the movie what movie Everest oh you saw it I saw the last 45 minutes of it maybe half hour 45 minutes mm-hmm. like at like 2 a.m one night okay in the summer I and I think he was the um, his story was the one that impacted me the most. His name was Doug, and then yep, that's the one. And then I Rob Hall, that. the guide, his <clears throat> story was also like heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and one of the one of the sort of the most upsetting parts about the whole thing is the controversy that sort of come out of it. So Cracker came out of this. Well, to to begin with, let me say in the beginning of the book he mentions that right after he came off of this mission and he had to write the article for what did i say outdoor magazine is that what i said it was uh outside magazine um 
he said he wrote it and he you know your brain is so impaired when you're up there he came down and he almost had like ptsd like it was so hard for him to distinguish what happened and there's even a point on the in the book one of the hardest parts was he he saw someone on the hike down and he saw him make it into base camp and he told everybody and they phoned back to this guy's family and said that your your husband made it and he didn't he was so delusional that he thought some other hiker that he had a conversation with was one of his friends and so like you're that messed up up there with the lack of oxygen so he said when he they portray that very well in the movie too oh really delusions yeah oh cool um but so he basically said he had to write that article right away and like taking some months to reflect on it he sort of started piecing itself together more and so that's why he felt he needed to write the book first of all because there was more he needed to say and also he felt there was things he needed to correct because he just wasn't completely didn't have it together when he wrote the article so he sort of presents himself as an unreliable narrator in the first place like he he says like things are still foggy and everything um but i honestly think he to the best of his ability did document what happened and i feel like he did have most of his facts right just based you know based on the reading i've done but he so he came out of this mission so traumatically damaged and having consistent nightmares and crippling guilt that he wasn't able to save some of these people yet he still had to deal with so much criticism and you know like hate hate mail and attacks from people people like family members of people who were on the mission um just random people who were upset about what happened and it sounds like that was the case of most of the survivors they had this guilt and they had people attacking them on top of it which Mm -hmm. is kind of ridiculous because when you're in this impaired completely exhausted state you you know they're all doing the best they can there's only so much they can do up there to save these people and um and a lot of the backlash actually came from somebody who was on the mission, Anatoly Bukrev. He was, a, I think, a Russian guide. He, you know, he wasn't on his same mission, <clears throat> but he had, you know, he was a guide that had other clients that he was taking up, and they were all sort of hiking together. And this particular guy um, started going down the summit before his clients, and he said it was the plan you know to to go like secure base camp even though the sherpas were there doing it mm-hmm. um and, and so i think he felt that they really portrayed him as like a coward but i don't think he did because yes he did go down early but he also mentioned how when cracker got you know back down into his tent bukri bukri i don't know how to say his name was up you, you know said it perfect Oh, really? <laughs> so, Sabukrif so was, um, he had been down and rested a while, and he went back up and he saved a couple lives. And he tried to wake Krakor, and Krakor was so um, exhausted and drained and out of it that he didn't get back up to save people. And so, like, I don't think he really, you know, I don't think he portrayed him as, you know, as at fault, really. I think he told the truth, too. And another, um, other issues were that Bukreev was climbing without supplemental oxygen, which he had done before, which he was capable of doing, but if you're a guide, you're really not supposed to be doing that, because you need to be, like, on your A-game so you can keep, take care of your clients. He also didn't have a pack with him of, like, supplies to help anyone, so, like, it seemed like he, he was kind of doing a lot of it for himself, 
And I think it came across that way in the book, sort of, even though it was factual that he was doing this stuff. I think, you know, I'm sure he was dealing with a lot of hate, too, and I think that probably made it worse for him. So there was a lot of backlash out of that. Um, so the whole the whole thing was kind of sad how that how that worked out, how they had to deal with so much of that. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I've had allergies, so I'm losing my voice the more that I talk. I'm, like, cracking over here. Um, but, yeah, that's basically um, all I had to, s- to say about the book, but after after reading it i was just so enamored with the whole the whole topic that i added s- several books about this on my amazon wish list other people including bukreev wrote their own book about it so i want to oh, read cool. all of them um i want to watch everest and there's another movie called like into thin air that was put out like right after it that i want to watch hmm. and like any documentaries in everest like i'm hooked on the topic now as emotional and difficult as it was to read like I really want to know more now and as much as it made me say like there's no chance in hell I would ever climb Everest it did like make me want to climb Kilimanjaro (laughs) that's something I kind of always thought would be cool to do and then after you know reading it I'm like wow Kilimanjaro's not quite that hard I could do that and I think that's 10,000 you gotta pay to climb Oh, jeez. Kilimanjaro, <laughs> Kilimanjaro, Fuji, and Rainier have always been on my bucket list for mountains to climb. Yeah, so that would be a good challenge. Not feeling the Everest. Would no, never do that, but... No, I have no desire for that. It's crazy that people pay $65,000 to have a one in three chance of dying, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that's pretty much all I, I had on the topic. Anything else you have to say? Not at all. Okay. Easy as that. (laughs) Easy as that. So, everybody, when we mentioned all of the the ideas of things that we could talk about this week, we failed to mention we got an Xbox One. Oh, I'm sure they're all really excited. We got an Xbox One last week, (laughs) and we've been really excited playing games. Even Corinne has been playing hours of Fortnite, (laughs) and we cannot wait to record our next episode to tell you all about it yeah i'm gonna review a bunch of different games that we have maybe we'll even get another game or two before we uh record the next podcast and i don't know what the other topic will be but i'm sure it will be just as entertaining yeah so we can't wait to get back to talk with you guys some more after that long break oh my god i drank some water and my voice is back it's all i needed too bad i found it out at the very end of the episode excellent (laughs) glad your voice is back (laughs) (laughs) yeah don't throw that you were about to throw yep it would have been very loud such a bad noise okay so try it anyways no why don't you close this up okay so um if you want to reach out to us in any way you can email us at we need to talk pod at gmail.com or tweet to us message us on twitter at matt and corinne that's right all right so we will see you next time yep <laughs> <laughs>